Do you know that from your position you can change a situation? Do you also know that you are the master over the created world and that you are meant to rule over everything God has made? Listen carefully to Pastor Shegun Obaji as he brings to you with simplicity and clarity the message of the new creation realities in Christ Jesus. Be blessed as you listen. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians um, chapter 2, our anchor scripture, and then read verse 4 and 5. It says, And my preaching and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen? And that means that it's always God's will for our faith to be based on the power of God and not on the wisdom of man. Praise the Lord. The wisdom of men may be attractive. There may be ingredients of eloquence, oration, logics. Amen? But irrespective of what it is made up of, it cannot carry the faith of men. It's going to fail under the faith of men. Amen? The wisdom of men will always disappoint. But the power of God does not. Amen? The power of God does not disappoint. The wisdom of men will always disappoint. Amen? And that's why God wants our faith to be founded on a formidable, dependable, reinforced, sure foundation. And that's the power of God. Amen? And then we also know from Romans 1, verse 16 down 17, Paul the Apostle speaking by the Holy Spirit said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to those who believe. Amen? It is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. He says, For therein is the righteousness of, of God revealed, starting from faith and finishing on faith. Praise the Lord. For the just shall live by faith. Amen? So the gospel of Christ, let someone say gospel of Christ, is the power of God unto salvation. That's the power of God. Amen? Now when Paul came and preached to the Corinthians, he did not come in the enticing words of man's wisdom. He came preaching Christ. In other words, he came to preach Christ. He brought the good news of Christ. The anointed one with his anointing. He brought the good news of Christ 
of what he has done on their behalf that they did not know. So when he came, he did not come to tell them stories. He came to bring the gospel of Christ. And that is the power of God. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. The word salvation there you know is all encompassing. Amen. It means soteria in the Greek. It means to be saved from sin and all its consequences. That's what the word salvation you know, means. It signifies being saved and staying safe. That's the contemporary translation of it. Being saved, in other words, you have been delivered from what is pursuing you and you have not been empowered to be a terror to that which is pursuing you. So you are no longer just, it's not just being saved from the power of darkness, amen, but you are in a place of safety. So salvation means being saved, being delivered. It means deliverance and safety. Hallelujah. Salvation means what? Deliverance and safety. In other words, deliverance and security. So what is the power of God unto deliverance and security? The gospel of Christ. Now when Paul came, what did he found the faith of the Corinthians on? He founded the faith of the Corinthians on the gospel of Christ. That's the power of God. Amen? Now, anytime the faith of man is not founded on the gospel of Christ, it is not founded on the power of God, it will definitely going to fail. I understand foundation design as a professional builder. Amen? And I understand the intricacies, the details of foundation design. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now when the weight of the superstructure, that which you can see on top of the building, I mean on top of, um, I mean the overview of the building, that which you can see outside, not that which is beneath. That's the superstructure. When the weight of the superstructure is too much for the foundation, what happens? Logically speaking, the foundation is going to fail. That's what we call foundation failure. Amen? It could fail through cracking, it could fail through differential settlement, all kinds of failure. I strongly believe that the faith of men is too much for the wisdom of men. When your faith is based on the wisdom of men, it's definitely going to fail. Because the wisdom of men is too small to carry your faith. Because it is, or it wasn't meant to carry your faith. Praise the Lord. The reason why we are digging into the gospel of Christ is so that our faith would be based on the power of God. Because the gospel of Christ is the power of God. Amen. And then when our faith is based on the power of God, definitely the power of God can be our faith and can cause our faith to produce. Amen? It's not worth it getting into any venture that is not going to be productive. If you count the cost from the beginning and it's not worth it, then you, you just drop it. Praise the Lord. And that's why we have been looking at the genesis of the new creation man in Christ Jesus. And we are not in a hurry because God is not in a hurry. 
concerning spiritual things, I will not have you ignorant. Amen? But the King James says, concerning spiritual gifts, concerning those things that are spiritual, concerning the spiritual, I wouldn't have you ignorant. God does not want His people to be ignorant at any time, in any place, or in any generation. Amen? Praise God. So the Gospel of Christ... The gospel of Christ is the power of God, not the innovation of man, not what man presupposes, not what man designs. The gospel of Christ is always the power of God, unto deliverance and safety, unto deliverance and security. Praise the Lord. Amen. Last week we looked at the reason we can say no to the devil, the reason we can put him to flight. And he just must be put to flight because of what Christ has done for us. Hallelujah. You know, Pastor Yomi and I were discussing about the love of God <laughs> this afternoon. And we began to talk about the love of God from the aspect of commitment. To that which God has spoken. The Bible says, if you love me, you will keep my commandment. You understand? Love is more than an emotional disposition towards somebody. It's a commitment to the person of that person. Hallelujah. It's a commitment to the core of that person. The reason that person is that person. Not his frivolities and frailties and weaknesses. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Now God is committed to us not because we are perfect. How many of us know that? Now, while we were yet sinners, He died for us. He demonstrated His love towards us. The Bible says He commended. While we were yet sinners, He credited to our account as sinners His love. That's, 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 it blows the mind. <laughs> you think about it and say, ah, what was He looking at or what was he after, so to speak? Amen. The mercy of God looks beyond your frailties and weaknesses, but the intent of the mercy of God is to mature us. Praise the Lord. Amen. And we are still coming back to this, but there's something we have to really, really, really understand, and that is. There is nobody that receives anything of God without first and foremost receiving His love. How many of us know that? Nobody can receive anything from God or of God without first and foremost receiving His love, believing in His love. Amen? Now, if, if we were to open our minds now and begin to analyze some things, some thoughts, some... Uh, Mindsets, philosophies, concepts we have in our minds. You realize that a lot of people have one thing or the other against God. Hello? Some people still feel that God loves them, but He doesn't love them absolutely. That the love of God is a conditional love. Some believe that. Now the man at the pool of Bethesda, what did he do 
before Jesus Christ walked up to him and then said, Man, do you want to be made whole? What did he do? Was he praying there? Now there's, there's something we have to understand. That God desires mercy and not sacrifice. If you don't understand that, it's going to be a bit difficult for you walking with God. Amen? The mercy of God has come to take us away and out of the circumference of our weaknesses. Amen? The mercy of God has not come to judge us in the circumference of our weaknesses. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Now, if you can receive the love of God, indeed, there's nothing that will be too hard for you to receive from God. Praise the Lord. Now, we love Him today. Amen? Why? Because He first loved us. Isn't it? It's not that He loves us today because we first loved Him. God's mercy wants to change us. Most of the time, the struggles of men always want to fight with the mercy of God. When the mercy of God comes to our rescue, to help us, we always want to argue that, well, do I have any reason to receive the mercy of God? Now, the only reason you have to receive the mercy of God, primarily speaking, is that God is God and is not man. He is love and is merciful. Plenteous in mercy. And then if you can look beyond whatsoever are limitations. And then look towards the mercy of God. Amen? Because the mercy of God always comes with His truth. It's always truth and grace. Grace and truth. Sometimes some people will just take the truth and then take it out of the grace. Praise the Lord. The Bible says the Lord came through Moses, but grace and what? Truth came through whom? Through Jesus Christ. Did he say grace came through Jesus Christ? He said grace and truth. They go together. Now, when he was eating with the sinners and the publicans, what did the Pharisees? What did they, what did the Pharisees say? They said something. They said, "Why is he eating with them?" Now, what did he say in return? He said, "It is the person that is sick that needs the physician or doctor. The one that is whole, sound, does not need a physician." And then he said to them, "He said, you have to understand something. Praise the Lord." There's something you have not understood with all the law you know. You have not understood that God has desired mercy and not sacrifice. And then he quoted from my Hosea 6.6. That the knowledge of God is better than burnt offerings. (laughs) Amen. 
now we are building on that and then we move on to where the Holy Spirit has taken us. The knowledge of God is better than burnt offerings. Open to Hosea 6.6. 6. And let's read. Amen. And then we come back to what we have been dealing with. Now look at, we have to read from verse 1 to verse 6 so that we can understand. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us, and the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain. As the latter and former rain unto the earth. O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud, and as the early dew it goeth away. Therefore I have healed them by the prophets, I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and knowledge, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Amen? God desires mercy, and not what? Sacrifice. Now, you have a lot of sacrifices in the wisdom of men. But in the power of God, the gospel of Christ, you have what? Mercy. And God has desired mercy and not sacrifice. And what does that mean? It means that there is something a man always thinks should produce another thing. A man always believes that you have to give something to produce another thing. And then if you don't have that thing, there's no way you can produce that very thing. Take for example, the soul that sinned shall die, isn't it? That's the word of God. But the mercy of God sent forth his son... To die in our stead so that we might live through his death. How many of us believe that whatsoever a man sows, he will reap? Yes. Praise the Lord. Now, Jesus Christ our Lord was sown in sin so we can reap righteousness. Hallelujah. That's the mercy of God. God always possesses an exchange for the inadequate exchanges of men. He always. Amen. If I have sown unrighteousness in my past, in ignorance. 
And then God says to me that Christ was shown in sin and all my unrighteousness laid on him so that right now I can reap the fullness of his righteousness. There is the judgment of man that says, can I go free? Can I be guilt, guiltless of all my offenses? Praise the Lord. Can I be guiltless of all my offenses? Amen. Now, it always comes to mind that I will always reap what I sow. Praise the Lord. But does it come to mind that He was sown as sin for you so that you can reap His righteousness? And most of the time, let me tell you the truth, those who receive abundance of God's mercy and grace are those who know that naturally speaking by themselves they do not worth it. Amen? But what he's done for them is their worthiness. Praise the Lord. That is how to receive the mercy of God abundantly. Now look up here. The, the, the will of God for every one of us is not a struggle. Amen? God has not called us to struggle, to strive. He has called us onto a walk of grace. Praise the Lord. And that grace comes by knowledge. The reason we don't walk in grace the way we ought to walk in grace is because we don't know God. Most of God, us do not know God the way we ought to know God. Amen? Now, how many of us have heard before that God is always behind you with a mallet? And then He's watching you. If you just slip aside like this, He will break your head. I mean, have you had that kind of sermon before? Some of us had that kind of sermon. That that's the kind of God we know. But we have not read the Bible to see that God is not like that. Amen? When God places judgment upon men, is not His perfect will. God's perfect will is always mercy. You can write it down any day, any time. God's perfect will is mercy always. Always. Not sometimes, always. But when men reject the mercy of God, they cease judgment. But God's will is that all men should come what to the knowledge of the truth. Repent and come to the knowledge of the truth. What is the knowledge of the truth? There is no knowledge of the truth without the knowledge of grace. For grace and truth has come through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Because there is no way you will know truth indeed without grace. If you know truth without grace, you will be legalistic. You will be a mean lawyer. Amen. And then, if you know grace, 
grace in quote now, truth in quotes. Amen? <laughs> because they go together. But I'm just explaining this way so that you can get it. If you know grace in quotes without knowing the truth, you'll be loose. And then you'll be useless. But there's a proper blend of grace and truth. And they always go together. Praise the Lord. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. God wants to reveal His truth to you graciously. Graciously. So that there will be a balanced understanding of the truth. Praise the Lord. Amen. How many of us, you are getting something? Amen. Now, God has desired mercy. Look up. If God were to mark iniquity, who shall stand? None of us can stand the anger of God. His anger is very short, but very terrible. Amen. He's slow to hunger. Slow to wrath. But the Bible says he's plenteous in mercy. If you read Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible says God who is rich in grace. Now, if you are rich in money, you want to demonstrate your wealth to your children, isn't it? Every time God wants to demonstrate his grace towards us. Praise the Lord. And in the revelation of the grace of God, we find truth. There is nobody that knows the grace of God indeed without knowing truth. Amen? And that means that knowing Him unveils to you His grace. God wants to demonstrate His grace towards us. All of us. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and that grace is extravagant. I was trying to search for the word. The grace of God is extravagant. God does not spare His grace unto a man who has known His truth. They go together. It takes revelation of Him to enter into the fullness of His grace. Praise the Lord. Let's look at Second Peter. And then we move on from there. There's something the Spirit of God is establishing here. And then we move from there. Second Peter chapter 3, if you read verse 18, the Bible says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you read the original Greek, the word and was not there. He said, but grow in grace through the knowledge 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of God comes through knowledge. Hello? I tell you the truth. If there is something you are still struggling with and you need grace in that area, it's because you have not received an unveiling of the truth in that area. When the truth comes to you, it comes alongside with grace. Grace and truth. Let someone say grace and truth. Say it again. Say it again. Now, I have never thought for once, after the truth of the new creation realities has been unveiled to me, is still in the process, that, oh, I want to sleep now, I'm afraid, hope I won't have any nightmare. Praise the Lord. No. Because I know I'm not going to have it. The Spirit of God will have me say this. There are two ways God delivers, primarily. Delivers by bringing you into the knowledge of His Word and so establishing you in the truth so you can stay delivered. And then, a man who is in ignorance, who does not know the truth, when the mercy of God comes to him, the anointing comes to deliver him. And when the anointing comes, the intent of the anointing in deliverance is so the man can be established in the world and stay delivered. Amen. How many of us know that Christ is the Messiah, the anointed one, with his anointing? Amen. <laughs> if any man be in Christ. Now, being in Christ without knowing who Christ is robs you of the power of the anointing of the anointed one. When you are in Christ and you know in whom you are, you know what happens? The anointing of Christ takes effect in your life. It begins to work immediately. Because it takes the knowledge of the truth to activate grace. Now look up everybody. I can say this now. Some people might not understand it. But that's the truth. But God can still pardon your ignorance. And then preserve you in the anointing. Amen. And then. <laughs> get you to the place where you can. Get the knowledge of the truth. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Do you know in Christ. You don't need to plead the blood of Jesus. Amen. 
Because you can't be in Christ without being blood covered. It's not possible. <laughs> no, there are some things I don't see in some places. Because some people will say, ah, hey, what is this man saying, you know, and all that. So I will just be saying the common things. You know, God, if you sow, you will reap, you know. If you kick the ball, it will, it will move away. And then if they kick it back to you, you can hold it and stop it and say, yes, pastor, preach it on. There are some things that when the pastor begins to preach, you are lost a bit and say, you can't say, pastor, preach it on. Say, oh God, give me understanding. <laughs> When Paul was speaking, they weren't saying, oh, pastor, preach it on. Amen? They were asking God for light because the man was deep. Most of the time, if you read his epistles, he will always say, no, you're not. Okay, okay, well, I, concerning this thing, I give you to understand. Let me give you to know that this is not like this. Amen? He said, I give you to know that there is nothing unclean in itself. There's nothing like that. You mean there's nothing unclean itself? Say yes, there's nothing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, oh, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and God can pardon you. All right, Amen. He knows you don't know. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. But if you stay at that level all through, you will see that just calling the blood doesn't work for you any longer. Because there's a level that the mercy of God pardons your ignorance. When you should have become teachers and you are still being taught, you understand? You'll be dominated by the forces that dominate the thought. Amen? There are some things that you ought to have mastered. And that's why this Christian walk is an adventure of what? Revelation. You keep learning all the time. Amen? Do you remember that when Jesus Christ ascended up on high, he went with his own blood? Before he came down again, there was a first ascension. Amen? And then he came down again, and then the second ascension. The second ascension was when he was carried away in the cloud. Remember when Mary wanted to touch him? Amen? said, touch me not, for I have not yet appeared unto my father. But when, the second time, he stretched forth his hand to Thomas. You know that? And he said, Thomas, touch me. If you read John 20, you find it there. Amen? So that you can believe. Now, if you read the book of Hebrews, you realize that in the first ascension, he went... To fulfill the priesthood responsibility of his high priesthood. In other words, he went into the true tabernacle which is in heaven. You know, Moses saw a, a pattern of it. Praise the Lord. And then God said, make sure you build according to pattern what I have shown you on the mount. Because there was a true tabernacle in heaven and God showed him a reflection of that tabernacle and said, make something like this on the earth. But that which you have made on the earth is not a true tabernacle. There's a true tabernacle in heaven. Amen? Praise God. Now take time to study the book of Hebrews. I don't want to go more than that. Amen? 
And then while he was going, walking, praise the Lord, he passed through the sanctuary. Amen? And then moved into the holiest of all. Not without blood. He sprinkled his blood all through. Anytime you come boldly before the Father, you are walking on a path, blood-sprinkled path. You don't need to plead the blood of Jesus again. Is what? He's already blood-sprinkled. Now some people might say, oh, 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 what is this thing? Praise God. <laughs> Father, I thank you because I have access by the sprinkled blood of Jesus that had been sprinkled. I receive this access in, with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. And then something comes to your mind and says, hmm, you better sprinkle the blood of Jesus very well. Sprinkle it well, oh. How many of us can sprinkle the blood of Jesus better than he sprinkled it? How many of us can do that? Eh? Even, even how many of us can sprinkle the blood as much as he sprinkled it? <laughs> you have been blood bought, blood washed. If you come to this knowledge, amen. Anytime God sees you, He sees you in the blood. And that is why the anointing can come upon you. You know the anointing of the leper? It is when they use the blood to signify or touch some specific parts of his body. Don't have time, I would have gone into that. That they pour the oil. That's what we call the leper's anointing. Amen. In the law, a shadow of things to come. The substance is in Christ. Any spot that there is the blood of a sacrificial lamb, oil comes on it. You can't be in Christ and say you are not blood covered. How did you enter into him? How? How did you come in? <laughs> praise God. Lord, I thank you for the covering of the blood. I give you praise in Jesus' name. Now, that in brings in grace. You wonder sometimes, why is it that some people have access to some grace? Why others have not got into that place to, to take advantage of that same grace? The difference is knowledge. I don't mean head knowledge. I mean revelation knowledge. Hallelujah. I remember there was somebody I said um, this thing is paining me. I said wave it off now. He said ah, how could I wave it off? Okay, I said sorry. Now go to First Peter 2.24. Now you have to meditate on that so strongly. Isaiah 53. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then begin to confess the word. <laughs> now, if you have gotten to a place that that word has become one with you and you have become one with that word, praise the Lord. You say, I'm healed. The knowledge of that word in truth comes up within you. 
comes up from within you, and then you declare who you are. Amen? I remember there was a man of God that was sharing. A, a woman complained, said she, she had three eyes. You know, third one on top of, you know, the center of his head. Praise the Lord. And then he said that whenever there are pregnant babies, anytime she looks at that pregnant woman, she will see through her tummy and see into the baby with the third eye. And then most of the time, those babies are not born alive. And then she came to the man of God and complained. And then the man of God looked straight into her eyes and said, where do you feel that eye? She said, at the forehead or on the forehead. And then he stretched forth his hand and touched the forehead and that head eye disappeared. Now, don't try that. Why? He did that by what? Revelation. Now, as we grow, that's where God is taking us. That's why I, I pity people, a lot of people sometimes, when they say Bible study, time to share the word of God, and some people are so lackadaisical, they begin to drag their legs. I say, well, <laughs> redemption here is so beautiful. It's an eternal redemption, yes. But when you get to heaven, there's no affliction there. There's no weeping there, no gnashing of teeth. But there's weeping here and gnashing of teeth. Do you know you need the redemption here more than you need it in heaven? <laughs> yes, we are eternally redeemed, praise God. But you have to come to the knowledge of that word. You know, on, on, on Sunday we were talking about the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. And then we mentioned that the Holy Spirit is a teacher. He teaches mostly. Amen? And his teaching ministry is supernatural. It may not be spectacular, but it's supernatural. Always supernatural. Or sometimes spectacular. Amen? And then if you find somebody who is a natural teacher and you are not patient with him, what happens? You don't maximize the person, do you? You don't. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, anybody who is always in a hurry cannot enjoy the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. There are times that you come with a particular verse. You say, well, I don't understand this. Give me understanding. Amen? And then you sit down there. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. You sit down there. And then begin to let him give you that understanding. Now when he gives you that understanding, none teaches like him. He gives you that understanding more than information. He births it into you. It becomes one with you. How many of us know Eutychus in the Bible? What happened to Eutychus? What happened? What was Paul doing before he slept? 
Huh? He was teaching. You understand? Bible scholars told us that he taught for almost 12 hours. Because he had too much to say. Amen? Do you know that in the body of Christ we need teaching so much? We need teaching. How many of us know that? Analyze all the Pauline prayers. And then categorize all the ingredients. The major percentage of the ingredients in the Pauline prayers. Alright? Is always tilting towards what? Revelation. Light. True or false? Go back and read. Ephesians 1, start from verse 15 down. Amen? To the end. Read Philippians 1, start from verse 9 down to 13. Colossians as well. Amen? You realize that every time he knelt down to pray, he was always praying for revelation knowledge for those converts. His sons and daughters in the faith. Anytime he knelt down to pray, my little children of whom I travail again until Christ be what? Formed in you. Now how can Christ be formed in us? Christ can be formed in us by revelation. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened. We need light. Sometimes I meditate so strongly on this and then I get to a point, I begin to say in the presence of God, let your light eat me up. Let your light consume me. Fill my spirit, flood my spirit with light, flood my mind with revelation of Christ, of who He is. Flood my mind of the revelation of who I am in Him. Flood my mind with the revelation of who the Father has become to me. Flood my mind with the revelation of the person of the Holy Spirit, my helper. I don't just want to know him by information. I want to know him by revelation. Amen. Praise the Lord. God can fill us so much with his knowledge that we get to points in our lives that we also give men to know. You can gather your friends and um, say, okay, I, I give you to know that this is this. And then you begin to preach. Amen? Let the word of Christ, the word of Christ, <laughs> dwell in you richly in all right application. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, how should the word of Christ dwell in us richly? Not just enough, not not enough, but more than enough. I strongly believe that God is not hoarding from us what he has revealed in the written word. He wants to bath that very thing in our spirit. God does not want us to be limited. How many of us know that? <laughs> he doesn't want us to be limited. He wants us to have abundance of revelation, abundance of light. He wants the light of the knowledge of the glory of God to shine in our hearts, in the face of Christ, just like Christ knows it. 
Nas cause desire for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just like you have some students amidst us in our, some of our departments, they know some, of, some courses too well, or let me use the word so well, that they give other people to know. How many of us know? You know some, some this is, come, let me give you to know. Do you know that S plus? And we just sit down and say, eh, eh, wait, 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 don't trouble my head. Though. <laughs> they begin to give men to know. Amen. Praise the Lord. And that's the way God wants us to be filled unto overflowing with His light and revelation. Praise the Lord. 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 <laughs> I remember the, the rear door in our house was just opened all of a sudden. We discovered that it was opened. <laughs> Amen. And the person that opened it could not come in. Amen. <laughs> and then we saw that door was open. And somebody said, ah, let's quickly go and um, call the welder to come and weld this door permanently. Just weld it permanently so that there wouldn't be any entrance or exit. I said, no, let's just lock it. Praise the Lord. For he has given his angels charge concerning us. He has. Do you know why I know he has? In the Psalms it says, I will. But in the new covenant, he says, I did not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation. Are you an heir of salvation? Yes, I am. I have angelic ministry, ministration given to me constantly. Hello? You do too, but do you know it? Why did the servant of Elisha, why did he fear? Hello? When the chariots of Syria and the armies thereof came around and surrounded the city where his master and himself were, why did he fear and Elisha did not fear? Because Elisha knew something that he did not know. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now let's go over to the word. Do you know the the truth of God and his grace go together? Do you understand that now? How many of us know that? There's no way you know the truth indeed that you not be a man of grace. It's not possible. I remember a long time ago in my part two, I had a revelation, just one revelation about academics. Proverbs 4.18, no, part one. Then part two, I had another revelation. I mean, I, 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 not that I slept and I dreamt too. 
I don't mean that kind of revelation. I mean the word of God coming alive to me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and then, when I became a pastor, the Holy Spirit gave me to know that, do you know that I can anoint you in an exam or just as an, I anoint you when you are to preach? Whenever I want to preach, I know when I hold the mic, the anointing comes upon me. I know it. Praise the Lord. Do you know I can anoint you in that same way? <laughs> so that you write exams under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I said, Lord, I don't know that, but I want to know it. Now he said, begin to desire it. And then when you are going for any exam, having prayed, I mean having read, pray that God is going to place his anointing on you to write that exam. Hallelujah. So, I'll take my word tape, <laughs> my books, my materials, I'll redo what I should do as a student. And then I go to sports center, probably 30 or 40, 40 minutes or 45 minutes. Amen. I begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Lord, anoint me for this exam. Just like I stand before him and say, Lord, I can of myself do nothing. You are my sufficiency. Now be my sufficiency. It's time to preach. Let your anointing come upon me to declare your word. Either I'm saying it quietly or I'm shouting. It doesn't make any difference. But just let the word come alive to the people. Amen? Do you know that from my part three, well, I knew the grace of God from part one, but the way I knew it from part three to part five, boy, <laughs> my part one, I read like Jakar. Red, 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 red. And I was red. R-E-D. <laughs> Praise God. In my part three, I read also. Amen. But I read gracefully, graciously. I will read sometimes and I will need help to forget what I've read. Amen. I would need help. Sometimes I pray a lot. So am I talking to person somebody and I'm seeing my notes by my side. Ah, what kind of thing is this? <laughs> what what were you saying the other time? <laughs> Life. Amen. The anointing came upon my mind. Hallelujah. <laughs> And the mind was operating at the frequency of God. You know, there's no forgetfulness with God. How many of us know that? Forgetfulness is one of the weaknesses of the flesh. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. You know, the Bible says that. For some have entertained strangers unaware. Forgetfulness is not part of God's plan for you. Amen? Some people read a page for three hours. And you wonder, what are you reading there? I finished reading the whole book and I'm going to preach or going to do some other things. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, revelation of the truth of the Word of God, when it comes to us, you know what it does? It opens us up to the grace of God. 
the grace of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Now the devil is defeated. Colossians. Let's go to the book of Colossians. Amen. amen. And then we, we just share along that line and then we close. Colossians chapter 2. If we read from verse 13, and you being dead in your sins and on circumcision of your flesh, had he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Amen? How many of those trespasses? All. Let somebody say all. all. Say it again. All. That means there is nothing in the hand of the devil to hold against you. All your trespasses have been forgiven. All. Not some of them. Verse 14 says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Having spoiled. Another transition says, having disarmed. Another one says, having made of no effect. Another one says, having made to come to naught. Another one says, having neutralized. At least you understand neutralization. Amen. Having neutralized principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Having neutralized, hallelujah, having spoiled. Now that means that he has spoiled principalities and powers on our behalf. And that's the power of God. You know the gospel of Christ is the power of God. How many of us know that? Is who he is to us, what he's done for us, being preached to us, that is his power to us. That's the gospel of Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's the power of God. Now we know what the fight of faith is now. The fight of faith is not fighting the devil. Amen. It's not throwing stones at the devil. It's not sprinkling holy water in quotes against the devil. Amen. It's not trying to get a bamboo tree and then cut the leaves and do cross and say, I resist you devil. No, 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 no. That's not it. The fight of faith is holding on to the word of Christ. The gospel of Christ that says something about what was done to the devil. And the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God, says that the devil has been defeated. And how did he do it? Praise the Lord. How did he do it? Amen. We understand that the wisdom of God is in the law of exchange. He took our place and became sin on our behalf. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. And then when he became sin on our behalf, not only... 
was our sin or were our sins laid on him, he became our sin nature. He took our sin nature upon him. Praise the Lord. And then he died spiritually. And thereafter gave up the ghost physically. And then he went to hell. Amen. When he went to hell, the Bible makes us to understand that when he was there, principalities and powers thronged on him, tossed him here and there, cleaved to him. Praise the Lord. How many of us have read Psalm 22 before? Have you read Psalm 22 before? The first word says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Does that sound like what he said on the cross? Eloi, Eloi, Lamak, Sabachthani. Oh God, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now if you read Psalm 22 very well and read on, the bulls of Bashan surrounded him. Hallelujah. The dogs clung on him. Demon spirits, principalities and powers. Why? Because you know that the devil has the power of death. How many of us know that? He has the power to kill. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 makes us to understand that the devil has the power of death. Amen? And then what is the power of death itself? It is sin. Sin is what makes death killing. When he became sin, death came upon him. And he died spiritually. To, be, to die spiritually means he was separated from God. God forsook him. That was why he cried. Eloi, Eloi, Lamak, Sabachthani. O Lord, O God, O God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Amen. And then read what happened thereafter in Psalm 22. Take time as you get back home to read Psalm 22. The bulls of Bashan. Hallelujah. Bulls of Bashan. Amen. And then God, he began to pray, Lord, deliver me from the power of the dog. He was talking about that wicked one called the devil that held him. He thought he was one of the captives of hell. But he never knew that he knew no sin. He was not a sinner, he was made sin. See the wisdom of God. I remember I watched a particular film many years back. <laughs> they wanted to capture one man. He used to live in the jungle. He used to cause all kinds of havoc, disaster in the neighborhood. But somehow they couldn't get him. And then... They knew his weakness. That he could not stand any beautiful lady. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, one of the police detectives, a lady police detective, disguised, and then played around the neighborhood, his territory. And so, some of his men, you know, kidnapped her, and then seized her, took her to the man. Then when the man saw her, he, he could not resist. And said, well, 
she's going to be one of my wives, she said. And then she was there for 10 years understudying the man. 10 solid years. When, he, when she was through, very cheaply, they captured the man. Very cheaply. They captured the man. They saw the secret of the man, how he used to disappear, how he used to, you know, all kinds. Of, they, they captured the man. And that was the wisdom of police detectives. But the wisdom of God is that Jesus Christ would go to hell in the disguise of one that looks like a sinner, but he never knew anything. He was made sin. The Father made him sin. And then when he got there, you know what happened? Principalities and powers, they surrounded him. They cleaved themselves on him, to him. And when they did that, he began to pray from Psalm 22. Amen? Have you read the prayer in Psalm 22 before? Let's read some part of it and then we'll close. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Toby, can you help us with the light over here? Psalm 22. Are you there? Read verse 1. What does it say? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season I am not silent. For those three days he was praying. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and, this de- and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm. He became helpless. I am no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. You remember Isaiah 53? He was despised of men. There was no comeliness or beauty in him that we should desire him. I was reading a particular commentary and said when he was in the, on the cross and he cried a lawyer, lawyer, Lamak Sabakhtani, when he became sin, the Bible says, I mean the commentary said, his face was disfigured. He did not look like the Jesus that used to be before the crucifixion. His face was disfigured. When they were beating him, and the stripes were being laid on him, he was still intact. But when he became sin, he was disfigured. On the cross, he was disfigured. That fulfilled Isaiah 53, if you read from verse 1 down to 5. Hallelujah. A man of shame, not esteemed. 
Now look at verse 6. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. Do you see that? They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him. Seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me to hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls, look at verse 12. Many bulls have compassed me, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. Of course, on the cross, there were no bulls around there. Praise the Lord. And then you don't expect bulls to be in the grave. Do you expect bulls to be in the grave? So he meant spiritual bulls, demon spirits. And then it goes on to say, verse 13, They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, is melting away. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a pot shed. And my tongue cleaves to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Who brought him to the dust of death? God brought him to the dust of death. For our sake. Look at verse 16. For dogs, let somebody say dogs. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. You know that those Roman soldiers that were piercing Jesus were possessed. Hallelujah. They were possessed. Who crucified the Lord of glory? The prince of this world. Now look on. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Do you see that? But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog. That's the very dog himself. Amen. 21. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. That talks, talks about the strength of God, talks about the salvation of God. Verse 22. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee, ye, ye that fear the Lord. Now look up, please. Look up, everybody. Are you so conscious of the tone as you read on? If you get to verse 21, the end of verse 21, if you read down, you realize that the tone of praying changed. Deliverance came at a particular point. Do you see that? Look at verse 20. Let's start again. You saw what we have been reading since. Oh, help me. The dogs surrounded me. The bulls of Bashan. The dog. You know, and on and on like that. And then, read verse 20. It says, deliver my soul from... You see, deliver. Praying, praying, praying for it. And then verse 21 says, save me from the lion's mouth. You see... 
Then verse 22 says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. <laughs> all ye that the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised nor bore the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him, but when he cried unto him, he heard. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. You see that? He began to praise. Now, between verse 21 and 22, something happened. Now, how do we know all these mysteries? By the Holy Spirit. In the epistles, revelation of the Holy Spirit about what happened in hell. (laughs) Glory to God. Turn with me. We have like 10, 15 minutes and then we close. Turn with me to the book of Psalms. You know, the prophets and the law talked about Jesus in mystery or in a mystery. The prophets, all the prophets, the major and the minor, they revealed the Son of God. But those that were prophesying by the Holy Ghost, those holy men of old, who spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, amen, they never knew of whom they were speaking. Praise the Lord. But their eyes desire that these glorious things we are seeing, can't we partake of these things? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. And God has enabled you and I to be partakers of these glorious things, spoken of by the prophets. Hallelujah. Psalm 2. You remember what happened when the church was persecuted and they withdrew into their company? They prayed, isn't it? Now, from where did they pray? They prayed for Psalm 2. Why did the nations rage? You see that? Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens, shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Amen. I will declare the decree. Mark verse 7. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And I'll put your finger there and come quickly to Acts of the Apostles, chapter 13. And then let's read verse 33. Alright? So put your fingers there in Psalms 2. Acts 
Acts 13. And let's read verse 33. God has fulfilled the same. Paul the Apostle speaking by the Holy Ghost. God has fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he had raised up Jesus. Do you see that? He had raised up Jesus again. As it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. For three days, he prayed Psalm 22, Psalm 40, and some other Psalms. Messianic Psalms. Amen? Now you dig deep into the epistles and dig deep into the Acts of the Apostles, and then link up all references back to the prophets, and then trace out the Messianic Psalms. Amen? That's an assignment for you. Praise God. We are all students of the Bible. Not pastor who should do everything and then just give you and say, Oh, thank you, sir. No. There is dignity in labor. Particularly when you labor in the word of God. Amen? There is glory in it. Praise God. It is a good labor. Hmm? Hallelujah. Between, between verse 21 of Psalm 22 and 22. Verse 22. When he had fulfilled the requirement of and the claim of justice. I don't know what demons did to him, but begin to imagine what they could do. When you have dogs surrounding you, begin to imagine what they would do. Begin to imagine Asian dogs, naturally speaking. You have innumerable company of them <laughs> surrounding a man. Begin to imagine what they would do. Now begin to think about that time. He said, help me for there is none to help. I mean, at that time, he could not say, leave me. Don't you know I'm the anointed one? Begin to imagine. I have been under the oppression of the devil before. To an extent, (laughs) the devil is destructive. Oh boy, the devil is destructive. I tell you the truth. When the Bible says in Ephesians 4.27, and give no place to the devil. If the devil were not to be a destructive being, God wouldn't, you just say, well, you could just say one or two things with him. But he says, give him no place. Because if if he gets a place, he's destructive. He comes to what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Do you know when he became sin? He, he was afraid. Fear gripped him. Deep down in hell. He was terrified. He cried out. What? The cry shook the foundation of the earth. He cried out. There's none to help. You have to help me. So that you will not be under the terror of fear. You see, I have all the legitimacy under heaven to look straight in the eyes of fear and say, you dare not come near me. Affliction shall not rise up the second time. You remember when you dogs, including spirit of oppression too, you gathered around him until the claim of justice was fulfilled when he spoiled principalities and powers. 
just because of Shem. Just because of you. <laughs> you have all the claim. This is the power of God. Boy, this is what? The power of God. The gospel of Christ. Is the power of God. It's not as the power of God. Almost the power of God. It is the power of God. It is a direct equivalent of the power of God. Direct product. That's what delivers. Amen. And then he was there praying. If you read Psalm 40, he prayed some prayers. Just trace out the Messianic Psalms. Amen. There were some Psalms that the psalmist rendered himself personally that addressed his own situation and his need. There were some Psalms he rendered under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, not knowing what he was saying. But these Psalms spoke of the Son of God. Hallelujah. And then when he fulfilled the claim of justice for three days, Amen, a voice came from heaven, according to Psalm 2, Hallelujah. Verse 7. I will declare the decree. That's what we found in Acts 13.33, isn't it? When did that voice come to him? That voice came to him when he was justified in spirit. He became born again. Hallelujah. And that's why he's the firstborn amongst the dead. Those who are spiritually dead. Not those who are physically dead. Amen. You know, during his earthly work, he raised the dead. So you can't say he's the firstborn among those who were raised from <laughs> physical death. Amen. Because some people had been raised from physical death before him. But none was raised from spiritual death. None. So he is the firstborn among the dead. Elijah raised the dead. How many of us know that? Amen. Elijah did likewise. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He was justified in spirit. Do you know what it means to be justified in spirit? God declared him righteous. The father of justice declared him righteous. Praise the Lord. He was declared righteous, justified in spirit. Now let's take that out. Praise the Lord. Quickened in the spirit, made alive. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Let's read verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. The word capital spirit there signifies the spirit of God. Talking about Jesus. Because great is the mystery of godliness. Amen. Now let's read. We know who 
he was talking about there. And without controversy, great, great is the mystery of Godness. God was manifest in the flesh. Who manifested in the flesh? Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 14. The Bible makes us to understand. And the word became flesh. You know in verse 1 it says, And the word in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word God. God the word became flesh. Now great is the mystery of godliness. God intruding into the sense realm. <laughs> Glory to God. Mm. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. When he became sin and died spiritually and went to hell, and then the judgment that we ought to bear eternally, the Father laid on him. Praise the Lord. The Father didn't spare him. Hallelujah. He laid adequately and sufficiently. He laid in the right proportion, accurately. The judgment that the sinner man ought to bear in life and in eternity. He laid that judgment, the appropriate, sufficient, adequate, accurate measure of the judgment that we ought to bear. The Father gave that judgment unto Jesus. He laid it on him. Little wonder Isaiah 3 verse 5 says, He was what? Wounded for our transgression. Because of our transgression. He was bruised because of our iniquities. The chastisement of our shalom was upon him. The chastisement of our completeness You have no reason not to be whole and have shalom. Shalom means nothing missing, nothing broken. Peace. When an Hebrew man says to you, shalom, it means stay whole. You will not be wounded. You will not be bruised. It is well with you. That's what it means to when you say shalom. The, the chastisement for our shalom was laid on him. He bore it adequately. No mental torment any longer. You have no reason to be afraid. <laughs> Hallelujah. For the righteous is as bold as a lion. There goes righteousness now in Christ Jesus. This is the power of God. What is it? Is the gospel of Christ. It is what? The power of God. He was seen of angels. You know they came to roll away the stones from his tomb. And they saw the glorified son of the living God. In all his glory and splendor. Those angels that rolled away the stones will be ever will be forever grateful to the Father. That the risen one from the dead, the firstborn, 
was raised from the dead. With all his glory. <laughs> Say, Father, thank you. Or better put, because they are not privileged to call him Father. Oh, great God, great boss. Thank you. Hallelujah. Sin of angels. And then move on. Preached unto the Gentiles. Those that are unworthy to have the Son of God preached unto them, have Him right now preached unto them. Hi. Is it not a mystery? Believed on in the world, and we have a privilege to believe on Him. Received up unto glory. Just as he was received up unto glory, the firstborn of this new creation family was received up unto glory. Amen. The cloud took him up in the same manner. The cloud of the appearance of our life, the son of the living God in the sky at the blowing of the trumpet, when the father says it's time and he appears in the sky, the Bible says in the twinkle of an eye, will be caught up. <laughs> Theologians say it's rapture, but the Bible says it's catching up. You know why it's catching up? The Bible says, Behold what manner of man, I mean what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Isn't it? And then he goes on to say that we don't know how that new tabernacle is going to look like. But we know that when we see him, we shall what? Be like him. We are going to be cut up to match up. <laughs> Cut up to match up will be like him. Glory to God. Justified in the spirit, quickened. There was no way he could have been quickened from death, spiritual death, without being justified. There was no way. Now read Ephesians 2. And then we have to close now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you at he what quickened. Who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But... You see the word but there. But God, who is what? Rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us. 
In other words, when he was raising Jesus from the dead, he did it in view of you. And he showered his love on you. He said, he has to be raised or else you will not be raised from, from the dead. You will spiritually die forever. So he raised him. The, the Holy Spirit reveals to us that when the Father raised him from the dead, he did it in love. Love of Jesus? No. Say, ah, my son must not see corruption. So let me just raise him. No. He raised him from the dead because of you and because of me. Because he took our place in the great substitution. When he raised him from the dead, he raised you from the dead. Now read on. It says, Even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with whom? With Christ, by grace are ye saved. Do you see that? And has raised us up together. Look at that word together. That talks about identification. With, together. With, together. With, together. With, together. He was justified in spirit and then raised, quickened from spiritual death so that with him we are quickened from spiritual death. And that takes effect. It's not just happening. It takes effect when we believe the gospel. Hello? It takes effect when we believe the gospel. It's not that well, God is just quickening you. He's done it. He's concluded it. Now that takes effect when you believe the gospel. And that's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to what? To those who believe. To the Jew first and then to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. In that gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed starting from faith and finishing on faith. From faith to faith. For the just shall what? Live by faith. Hallelujah. So he was quickened. (laughs) And when he was quickened, what happened? They saw that he was not a sinner. He was only made sin. And then the foolishness of the prince of this world and the wisdom of this world and its prince was revealed. And they knew he came to die once, not to die again forever. And then they knew those who believe in this that has been done will not die again. And they began to translate that to understand that he came to wrought for us eternal redemption. He finished them finally. If the prince of this world knew, if he had known 
he wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Ah, okay. Well, let's try as much as possible that they don't know what has been done. They mustn't know it. Now, demons, you know, you are wounded, you are already defeated, but brace up, brace up, no problem. But just blindfold them, don't let them know it. Don't let, don't let them know it. Attack whomsoever has the call of God to preach it. Kill him from the womb. <laughs> Glory to God. They mustn't know it. Blindfold them with ignorance. But thank God for the word of God that has revealed to us. Amen? Do you have a Bible? Then you can know what Jesus Christ did on your behalf and how he wounded the devil. Having spoiled. You know, they, they, got, they surrounded him when he was justified. Amen? And then quickened from spiritual death. He did like this. The original Greek translation says, having cast aside as a bundle of mess, principalities and powers, he led a train of vanquished enemies triumphing over them in it. <laughs> he made them of no effect. He pushed them aside when he was quickened. Hallelujah. Do you know what quickened him? How many of us know what quickened him? The Spirit of God quickened him. Amen? The glory of the Father. And how did that glory come? The glory came when the Father sounded Psalm 2 verse 7. was quickened from spiritual death made by a word of oath a word of decree son of God and then he shouted in another place let all his angels what worship him read Psalm 1 I mean sorry Hebrews chapter 1 when he was made Born again into the family of God as the firstborn from the dead. Firstborn among his brethren. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then when he was quickened, he was quickened into sonship. You know what the father did? I now have a family. I can call my own. When Isaiah saw it, he said, Who shall declare his generation? He thought that when he saw into the realm of the sweet and began to see the mind of God, 
And then he saw that he was crucified, bruised, wounded. He said, who shall declare his generation? Amen? But as he went on in that prophecy in Isaiah 53, you know what he said? He said he will see the travail of his soul. And he will rejoice. For the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hands. Hallelujah. Now that's my scripture. Lord, your pleasure will prosper in my hands. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Why did he defeat the devil? Do you know that he's been defeating the devil before he became sin? How many of us know that? Acts 10.38 But that defeat against the devil was for him alone. It was his own personal defeat. The one he did for us in hell is our own. Hello? Acts 10.38 How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. Before he could heal those that were oppressed of the devil, he must have disarmed him, tied the devil, and then taking away his captives and then minister healing to them. You know he cast out devils with his word. Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Should he go to hell again to defeat the devil for himself, seeing that he had been defeating the devil ever before he became sin and was crucified? That simply means he must have done it for somebody else. And you are that person, I am that person. Hallelujah. You have every reason to glory. <laughs> Stand on your feet. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is the gospel of Christ. The Bible calls it the power of God. It is the power of God. Now don't forget the assignment I gave you. Read all through the epistles and then find out all the references anytime the gospel of Christ is being preached, particularly Paul the Apostle, the references he made to the law and to the prophets. And then go back to that very psalm and read it up. Amen? And then see the Holy Ghost enlightening your eyes. Glory to God. Lift up your hands and begin to worship Him and thank Him. Bless the name of the Lord for what He's done for you. Bless the name of the Lord for what He's done for you. Bless the name of the Lord for what He's done for you. Bless the name of the Lord for what He's done for you. We know you've been blessed by this message. For further information and details on how to be a partner, please contact Shago Baju Teaching Ministries on just two three four seven zero six six four five three one two two or plus two three four eight zero six zero one triple zero nine three. Stay blessed.